Welcome to this exploration of an exciting and potentially revolutionary new propulsion concept that may help accelerate our journey to the stars. Please join us as we discuss scientific concepts in this forum we call Jets in Space. Hello, welcome back to Jets in Space. This is episode nine of Jets in Space. Welcome back. Today we're going to talk about the ideal gas law and its implications for IEP. As usual, please follow us on Facebook and Patreon, and we're looking forward to getting as much support as we can for the podcast and the project in general. The ideal gas law, sometimes also called the general gas equation, is the equation of state of a hypothetical ideal gas. It is a good approximation of the behavior of many gases under many conditions, although it has some limitations. That is a quote from Wikipedia. Uh, the basic formula begins with capital P uh, multiplied by capital V equals lowercase n uh, multiplied by capital R and capital T. And we're going to go through each part of the equation and how it might apply to um, IAP. Okay, so the first part, um, usually for equations like this, we rearrange the terms so that we can isolate uh, the factor that we're kind of looking for. So in this equation, on the left-hand side, we're going to divide by the volume, which is V. And then on the right side, to, to make it equal, we will also divide by the volume. So the new equation now is going to be P, which is pressure, equals NRT um, divided by V. So for a pressure... You know, like the previous episode, we all, as we all know, we talked about how it's all about the pressure. So we're we're building pressure gradients within the chamber, and then we're also releasing the pressure to produce the thrust. So so pressure is the the main um, calculation that we're trying to um, maximize here in the equation. So uh, looking at that equation, once we've rearranged it, we have the pressure on the left side of the equation. We have the equal sign, and then we have four variables that we can manipulate to increase the pressure. N being the number of moles of the gas, R is the universal gas constant, and then T is the temperature. So as you see, the pressure is directly proportional to the number of moles of gas, to the universal gas constant, and the name applies, it's a constant that doesn't really change much, and then the temperature. And then it's inversely proportional to the volume as we we're dividing by that term. So in general situations, if we want to increase the pressure within the system, we want to um, either increase the number of moles of gas, meaning that, you know, adding more molecules of gas to the system, we want to increase the temperature, and then we want to minimize the volume. So the ideal high pressure system would be a very small container a lot of num or a large number of moles and then a high temperature that would make the highest pressure system that we could devise. Now, uh, we also talked about um, thrust to weight ratios and things like that. Whatever system that we're building, we're trying to maximize the the thrust, but we're also trying to minimize the weight because um, any excessive weight we have to overcome with more thrust. And then at some point it can be limiting um, how much thrust we can produce. And so we want to minimize the weight to, to maximize the amount of thrust produced by the system. All right. So just going through um, some of the variables again, 
Um, we're not going to talk, talk much about the moles of gas. You know, it's something that um, needs to be done within an experimental model. I think um, when I was talking to um, our lawyer friend, uh, Mr. Hibbler, um, in the past, we were also talking about changing the the type of gas within the system. Um, and we, we might even included that within our application to the patent. You know, in, in our atmosphere, it's a mainly nitrogen oxygen, you know, um, the majority of it being nitrogen. And the, uh, let's say about, uh, this is a bad estimate, but it's the best I can give you at this point, 70% nitrogen, 20% oxygen, um, and then the next 10% of other gases. So the majority of the, the gases within our atmosphere is, you know, oxygen, nitrogen. So uh, would there be a benefit to maybe putting in like a noble gas like argon within the system? Um, not an expert in that. I'm hoping someone um, can listen to this episode and maybe get back to us. You know, maybe there are some benefits of having like a noble gas within the system in regards to compressibility. Maybe a little bit more pressure can be generated because the type of gas that's in the system. But uh, that might be something that we need to explore within an experimental model. All right, so that's um, that N there, uh, the first variable we talked about. And then, uh, like I said, the universal gas constant isn't really something that we're going to explore too much because uh, we can't really modify it as far as I know. Um, but the, the two other variables that we can modify and are very applicable to our system uh, is temperature and volume. Temperature, you know, the as you know, um, hot gases tend to be more energetic, even in within a combustible system where you're exploding either a jet fuel or a rocket fuel, you are creating vast amounts of heat as well as um, exciting the gases. So it makes sense that a higher temperature is going to energize the system. And if you want to produce more thrust, then, then higher temperatures should be theoretically explored as an option for increasing the pressure and, and thereby the thrust. Now, of course, heat has its own problems, as you know, you know, like if the system runs at too high a temperature that can melt some of the components, it can cause other issues that we don't want. So um, for our for our system for IAP, we are not depending a lot upon temperature variance in regards to producing the thrust. Now we, when you spin the turbines, theoretically within the the system, the, the turbines will produce some heat through friction. So that heat theoretically could provide some wanted increase in temperature that can um, increase the pressure within the system. But it's not something that we're trying to develop at this point. It's not one of the main variables that we're looking for at this time. Now, maybe in, in future models where we have more um, resilient components that are heat resistant, we might look at increasing the temperature slightly to get a little bit more pressure and thereby a little bit more thrust. Now, the, the main variable that we need to look at is the volume. Just because in our system, we are trying to do everything within a closed system. So, um, you know, the, the internal atmospheric portion is something that is unique, you know, is our um, pretty much is one of the basis of our, our, our patent. We want the, the closed system in order to recycle the, the gases that are being compressed. And, you know, ideally we have two kind of um, volumetric areas. So um, I, I'm calling the first area, the, we can call it even like a chamber 
uh, we're going to call it the the compression chamber. So um, where the turbine is spinning, the the gases are being compressed within a finite amount of space. That can be either an enclosed space or an open space, but but around the turbine blades, um, we're trying to compress the gas, and there's a volume there that we're trying to, you know, if, one way to kind of maybe visualize it is to where the the turbine blades are are pushing the air molecules together um, with a lot of force, and you know the the gas is kind of resisting that um, compression. This is what's producing the the energy and the thrust is the the gas's ability to resist that compression. Um, one good visual uh, visualization for this process is even like simple things that you, you run into in everyday life. You know, in um, your vehicle, you know, your automobile, your car, there is, you know, pressure in your tires. You know, they're rubberized. And then within the within the rubberized um, tube, there is a um, certain amount of pressure. You know, if you have low tire pressure, high tire pressure, you know, there's there's ways of measuring that usually in PSI or pounds per square inch, which is the the usual pressure uh, measurement for tires. And you know your most tires need to be between like 30 and 40 PSI. So that system is containing that amount of pressure. And you know that's what makes the the tire firm. You know it's it's resisting forces from the outside because the air does not want to be compressed. So that's one one area where you can look at where we have pressure that's being utilized for um, for a purpose there. Now, within um, the medical field, we also have um, pressurized gas in, in metal containers. You know, if you've ever seen anyone that had respiratory issues, they have these green metal bottles they take around and it's compressed oxygen within that cylinder. And I don't know if you've ever seen, I may have been either movies or some um, TV shows where somebody tried to release the pressure from that cylinder um, quickly, I think by hitting it with um, with a baseball bat or, or a stick. And and when the pressure was released rapidly, the the metal bottle um, was propelled at a great for at a great speed. So I don't know if you've seen anything like that, but that's one of the dangers of compressed gases is when they're escaping really fast, they can cause a lot of damage, unfortunately. But that's just a, a poor example, but uh, maybe a good visualization of what we're trying to accomplish in regards to IAP, but within a controlled system. So two volumes that we're, we're looking at. So like the first volume I said, we're, we're going to call the uh, the volume of compression. So there's a, the area. Now, like I said, it could be um, an enclosed bottle in and of itself. You know, um, one idea I had is, you know, there's a bottle within a bottle. So we could uh, attach the turbine blades to um, a small chamber. And then within that chamber, we're trying to compress the gases as much as possible and then releasing the compressed gas through a nozzle at the end of the apparatus. Okay, so that's, um, if you want to call it V with a, a subscript of C, so volume of compression. And then the other volume we want is the, the recycling component. So this enclosed system, I'm, we're going to call V and then the subscript is going to be E for expansion. So those are the two volumes that we're looking at. V subscript C for compression and V subscript E for expansion. So those are the two systems we're looking at. So within the compression chamber, we are um, you know, using electricity to spin the turbine blades and make a high pressure system within the compression chamber. And then 
The second component is we're we're trying to capture all this gas that's being compressed within the compression chamber. Um, and so this is going to be the volume of expansion. So it's the other container. This is the this is again is the main concept that I don't think anyone's ever attempted in the past. You know, we're instead of just compressing the gas and letting it escape into the atmosphere, we're actually collecting this gas again and then reusing it for for further compression and expansion cycles, pretty much. So the possible um, challenge here is that we need to build the the expansion chamber where it will be able to collect the gas, but it won't be heavy enough to prevent a usable thrust to weight ratio. So we could build, you know, uh, something hopefully with the lightweight plastic, you know, those are the models that I've been looking at so far. And hopefully at some point we are looking to get some help from, from other researchers in regards to this, but we're looking for the minimum amount of volume necessary to recapture the gas so that we can uh, reuse the gases in a continuous cycle. So going back to some of the other possible challenges to this, you know, we talked about the sail effect in the past. The sail effect being that um, as the compressed gas is escaping out the, the apparatus, um, if it hits the back wall of the expansion chamber, it could be pushing on that back wall and then kind of counteracting some of the forces produced by the thrust. Now, that is something that uh, we're going to try to take into account in in our models and whatnot. But but I still feel that if we allow the gas to expand a certain distance, then that sale effect will be minimized to the point where it'll be negligible. Other things that we're looking at that don't involve the the ideal gas law is the actual airflow patterns. And hopefully at some point we can look at um, fluid dynamics and other types of experiments that look at the flow of the gas within the system and how we can maximize the flow to uh, to make the most thrust possible. So just in, in summary here, the, the recap we're trying to in, to make the maximum amount of pressure available within the compression chamber. So we're going to make a small compression chamber, keeping the volume to a minimum. And then within that small volume, we're trying to compress the gas with the turbine blades. And then on the other side of the volume equation, we're trying to also uh, minimize the expansion chamber where the gas is escaping into so as to reduce the thrust to weight ratio so hopefully all these calculations can be done in the laboratory setting and we can actually get you some numbers in regards to how much um, pressure we can produce within these two containers and then um, go forward from there so yeah we're, we're really looking right now to uh, collaborate with hopefully universities and aerospace companies in regards to building more prototypes in regards to the design of this. So if you guys um, that are listening to this podcast know of anyone that are, is willing to work with us on this, we're really excited to move forward in regards to more data-based prototypes where we can collect um, the amounts of pressure produced in the system, um, fluid dynamic flows, things like that, and actual getting some prototypes that are moving on their own power, pretty much. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Jets in Space. There are numerous ways that you can help us out. Number one, you can subscribe to this podcast. Number two, you can check out our website, bellandaerospace.com. Number three, 
you can make a prototype IAP model at home. Number four, you can support us financially on Patreon at Patreon backslash Jetson Space. Number five, tell your friends about us and send them to this podcast and our website. Number six, if you have friends and or family who work in the aerospace industry, talk to them about this concept and ask them to check out our materials as well. Number seven, help us find companies who make airtight containers, turbine engines, electric motors, and any manufacturers who may be able to help us move IAP forward. Number eight, I would love to interview aerospace engineers, aerospace enthusiasts, officials at NASA, SpaceX, anyone who can help us move our project forward. Number nine, if you know any investors, venture capitalists, sharks from the shark tank, please send them our way. We will be happy to let them invest in this project. And finally, number 10, as a Catholic Christian, I would also personally greatly appreciate your prayers for this endeavor. Until the next episode, let's dream of the stars. 